Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online. My name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor, and it's a joy to continue our series on the church. Uh, I've been praying for you this week, and I will be praying for you this week. I hope you pray for me as well, especially this week. Uh, Covet your prayers. We'll uh, service. I like that Pastor Josiah said you're going to have like a restful or something afternoon of just like cooking out, whatever he said, leisurely. Uh, well, I'll be at Connect Lunch and a grad party and, and packing. Anyway, early tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, I leave for uh, Michigan and then drive to Ohio because that was the quickest way to get there uh, from Delta. Anyway, and uh, preach a Holy Spirit conference tomorrow night for Ohio. And then uh, Tuesday morning, another 7 o'clock fly to Springfield, Missouri, through Atlanta, Georgia, and present to our national leadership, uh, Executive Presbytery, on the ministerial path, the life of a minister. And so it'll be great. Fly home Thursday night. Friday morning, early get up, and uh, go right back to the airport, pick up Brother Alton Garrison, who preached for us just a couple months ago, and uh, we'll drive up to Alexandria, Minnesota, to help uh, 17 churches revitalizing their ministry and their community until Saturday night, and then I'll be right back here Sunday morning. We blink, and we'll be right back preaching from Acts chapter 15, mission-critical initiative. So thanks for your prayers, and I think that means I'm speaking nine times this week, but I'm already ready for this one right now. Amen? If you have a Bible, if you could turn to Acts chapter 13, and if you're able, if you'd stand to your feet uh, this morning, I believe God has got just uh, an on-time word for us. Uh, I'm closing the message. We're going to pray for an increase of joy in the lives of those who feel low. And I got a message from probably my closest friend in ministry, Pastor Dave Simerson down in Austin, Minnesota, serves on the executive presbytery with me this morning. Didn't know what I was preaching on. And uh, he said, I pray that you would experience a joy-filled refreshing in the presence of the Lord today. And it just so happens, I said in my notes, I say, you know, we're closing praying for an increase of joy in the presence of the Lord today. So I believe God's at work. He's speaking. Vicente stole some of my sermon, even though he's on vacation. He recorded it before he left. I didn't know. So God is saying similar things to us in different areas, and we want to have ears to hear today. Amen? All right, Acts chapter 13, verses, 52 verses today. That's a long chapter, so I'm just going to read five verses at the start, and I'll get to the rest as we go. Amen. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and following. Bible reads like this. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. The easiest name in the verse. (laughs) When they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues, and John was with them as their helper. I've titled this morning's message, Led by the Spirit. 
And uh, we want to pray for that here today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way in each and every one of us. Speak to us all, both individually and corporately. And Father, we give you thanks in advance for the increase of joy that's coming to your people. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Grab those note sheets. We're going to get right to it. Now, I know in a a church of our size and people in this room watching online that we've got a wide variety of people who did not grow up in church, people who did grow up in church, people who grew up in church. There's different kind of churches. And so even when I say I'm talking about being led by the Spirit, maybe you grew up in a Pentecostal or charismatic style church. You're like, yes, uh, I'm all for being led by the Spirit. Maybe you grew up in a Baptist church. Well, what kind of Baptist church? You might have grown up in a Baptist church that didn't know about the Spirit, or you might have grown up in a Baptist church that was kind of against the Spirit. Let's just be honest. So there's different kind of churches. You might have grown up in a Lutheran church and you're not going to respond to me no matter what I say. (laughs) Right? So apparently a lot of you were Lutheran. That's awesome. But uh, anyway, funny's funny no matter how you grew up, you know? And so... Uh, But I think most Christians, I I believe this, I believe most Christians would say, Pastor, I want to be led by the Spirit. I think very few would say, nope, I don't want his help at all in my life. And yet, sadly, although I think most would say, yep, we want his help, we want to be led by him, I think very few followers of Jesus, believers, you and I, I mean, not this service, but the people that came to the nine o'clock, very few believers actually know what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. And that creates a a predicament for us, a a cavern between what we want and what we know how it looks. So today I want to talk, I want to give some practical steps that I believe we see right here in Acts chapter 13 of what it looks like to live your life being led by the Spirit. Look there on your notes. Uh, If we're going to be led by the Spirit, we will see the calling is confirmed. Uh, the calling will be confirmed. We read that, right? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit said it in verse two. We're still believing that the Holy Spirit's still speaking, right? I've been seeing a little bit on social media. We've had this rise in what we would call cessationalists that just think everything stopped there in the Bible. But we believe that the Holy Spirit is still speaking. It says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now look at this in verse three, because it continues here. The Holy Spirit called them, but then it says they fasted and prayed and they placed their hands on them and commissioned them. What is that? That was spiritual leaders confirming the call of God. This is important, right? Because I'm so thankful for the increased emphasis on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our day. We've talked about it before. When we go back, we look at Azusa Street, early 1900s, the Sims of God started just a few years after that. Uh, The newspapers ridiculed and mocked the supernatural things that were taking place there. But it wasn't just liberal media. It was also believers that were like, what's going on is too crazy over there. And, and we kind of saw that for a hundred plus years or so here in our nation where, where maybe there was an increase of Pentecostalism in my great, great grandparents age or great grandparents age and grandparents. But then we've seen over the last couple decades kind of a diminished and it might be strategy more than spirit. But lately, over the last couple of years, I think we've seen this increase or awakening in the body of Christ to realize we can't do this on our own. <laughs> now, newsflash, we could never do it on our own. 
It's not like we got together and we planned enough stuff in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s that we were like, we figured it out. No, 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 we're not figuring it out. We can't strategize it. We need a spirit, but there's a, a more agreement, a realization that, you know what, we can't do this on our own. More and more believers are tapping into the supernatural power of the Spirit of God as we've realized we can't do what He wants us to do in this life without Him. And it makes sense because if it's His plans, we need His power. But some folks, I'm not going to like name names because you know that's not my style. Some believers are using the Holy Spirit to avoid accountability in their lives. You'll like the second part of this point more than the first, okay? But again, not people in the 1045, the people in the nine o'clock is who I'm talking about. <laughs> no, you, you, some of you are surprised to even hear that, but I'm telling you, periodically people will come and tell me this, so pastor, the Holy Spirit told me, and you fill in the blank. And the problem is, I don't think the Holy Spirit told that to them. And in fact, I can prove it because they're saying he told them something contrary to the word. <laughs> and the prophetic voice of the Spirit of God will never contradict the printed word of God. So, so we have these people, and really I think they're just looking to use the Holy Spirit as a trump card, as an as a ace that they could play that says, I can do whatever I want. But the Spirit of God is not for us to do what we want, but to empower us to do what God wants. Now, you might like this part a little bit more. It's not just people in the pews, but it's pastors in the pulpits doing this too. Now, I really won't name names here because some of them are my colleagues, but I'm just saying pastors will say God told me to just do what they want as well. People, because pastors are people, they're using the prophetic to say whatever they want without any covering or accountability. And that's not prophetic, that's just preference. So this week, I had lunch with a local leader who has a national ministry, and I'm excited that she'll preach later this summer, but she said, you know, I operate in the prophetic, and I do lots of teaching all around the country, but I still need a pastor. So what was, what was uh, she saying? What was this leader saying? I need checks and balances in my life in ministry. Uh, I can't just, I need the calling confirmed. Now, now get this, is she's credentialed with the assembly, so it's not, but what, what, is, what am I talking about? I'm talking about partnership more than permission. Like, we need one another. We, we see this calling confirmed in the sins of God, but, but I'm just talking about like in, in all of our lives. We, we need, now, maybe some of you who are here, maybe you're newer, maybe you've been coming a little bit, but maybe you've only been in spiritually abusive situations before. Let me just pause. I just wrote these down for you. I want to say two things to you here this morning while I'm talking about accountability, when I'm talking about partnership. If you've only really experienced this in negative ways, let me just say two things. Number one, I'm sorry. Not necessarily for anything I've done. I mean, if, if I did something to you, I'm sorry for that as well. But, but I've been in leadership long enough to have seen the devastation that bad leadership leaves in its wake. I've talked with so many who've been ravaged by abusive and unchristlike leaders. And for that, I'm sorry that that's the experience that you've had. Number two, I want to tell you that this principle is still true even for you. Now, let me, let me help because I know as a good leader, I ought to try to 
help you accept that or understand that maybe is a better word. So let me try to use different words because if, if you're here and you've had so much trauma when it comes to spiritual leadership and partnership that you're struggling to accept this, um, again, I totally believe in accountability. Like in my own life, like I'm accountable to our elected board for the finances of this church, to the assemblies of God, for the theology of the ministry. But even if we've had difficult times, let me use another word besides accountability for you in case you're just really struggling. Um, I want to talk about connectedness. Like, who are you connected with? We, we can't afford to have spiritual rogue agents. You, you can't afford to go through life on your own. I'm not saying you need to ask me what you should have for dinner. Because <laughs> I don't care. I mean, really, I don't, you know... We got one gal that works for us, she, she doesn't eat meat. I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm eating all the things that were eating your plants. I'm helping you out. I'm serving you by having this hamburger. I'm just here to serve, you know, but like have whatever you want for dinner. But I'm saying you and I need some people in our lives that can come alongside us and say, hey, what's going on? What, what, what's happening in your life. So be part of something. Be part of something bigger than yourselves. Because this whole idea of, well, it's just between me and God, quite frankly, it's not biblical at all. Number two, the truth. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, we need to understand that the truth is what stops deception. It's the truth that stops deception. Let's read on, verses 6 to 12. Again, they're being led by the Spirit. They're going on their way. And the Bible says, verse 6, that they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, there we see that switch taking place, filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you want to confront deception, you better be full of the Holy Spirit. Especially in these days where you'll experience pushback like never before, you and I better be filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked straight at Elamus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you, he said, and you're going to become blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now here we see in this text, really a tale as old of time. It's good versus evil. This is what Pastor Josh talked about yesterday morning at men's breakfast. We, we read all the way back in Genesis chapter three, just the third chapter of scripture. God had made the, all of creation. He made Adam and Eve. And then the serpent got Adam and Eve to question what God said. 
But the serpent didn't come out and just lie and say something totally crazy. He took the truth of God's word and he twisted it just a little bit. And that's what we see happening here. This is what we see happening in our own lives in front of our very eyes. The lies that are most believable are so close to the truth, but there's just a little bit of change. And that is what in fact makes it believable. You know, that's largely why my heart breaks so much for our nation and the increasing number of people believing the lie of the enemy that is celebrated this month of June, right? We spent time on, in prayer on Wednesday night at prayer gathering, Pastor Josiah leading us not, not to be offended as much as be people of prayer, but, but my heart is burdened knowing that much of our nation's advertising this month will be surrounding Pride Month. But the truth is, friends, we are not or we are more than our sinful sexual desires. I'm not gonna re-preach it today. I don't have time for it because I barely can get through all this, but, but I just encourage you, go back. I, I looked, I wanted to see when it was, October 2021, series called We Need to Talk. Talked all about pornography, gender and sexuality, abortion, like there's a lot there. But let me just summarize by saying, although there is tremendous pressure right now to be silent about biblical values and the truth of God's word, I remind us all that it is only the truth that stops deception. And so cancel culture can't change truth. It can just make you feel uncomfortable. Now, let me also clarify, because it's 2023. I don't want to be misquoted. There's no need to run around this month and be a jerk about it to everybody. In fact, put that into practice all year long. In fact, if you look at the calendar and the day ends with the letter Y, don't be a jerk about it. I have to explain that to some of you. Sunday, it ends with a Y, and, and Monday, and Tuesday. So it turns out there's really never a day you should go to and be a jerk about it to everybody else. But we cannot deny that it's the truth that stops deception. Because there are times, friends, when we see right here in this text, to plainly and directly confront the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. So some of you are like, well, pastor, how can I do that practically in my everyday life? Well, number one, you need to know the truth before you can speak the truth, which is one of the big problems we have in our land today. We have biblically illiterate Christians. We've had shallow preaching and a lack of discipleship, and therefore, people have not been taught biblical things, nor are they reading it for themselves, and we have people talking about things they have no clue what they're talking about. And it's bad enough when people are talking about social and economic issues that they don't know what they're talking about, but it's worse when a believer, a follower of Jesus, says things that are not in the Bible, says things that are contrary to Scripture, and so you got to know the truth before you can speak the truth. And let me just help you. If you don't know the truth, I want to give you something that's really going to help you from saying things you shouldn't. Everybody, can you just take your left hand, right, and just put it in front of your face like this. You can just curl your fingers just a little bit. Now, if you're left-handed, you can do it with your right hand, but I'm right. And, just, and then I want you to take your index finger, just put it up like this with your other hand. Are you ready? You ready? I want you to practice something. This is going to help you when you see something on social media that you don't know much about. I'm going to show you what you can do. Ready? Just put your finger right down here at the bottom and go like this. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm practicing, right? Just, I just, I, in case some of you don't know what's going on, just this hand, put it right here and just go. 
Yeah, you just keep scrolling. Don't stop. Don't type. You don't know what you're talking about. Keep on scrolling. You're welcome. That's free of charge. We're not doing an extra offering. I just wanted to help you how to know what to do when you don't know what you're talking about. Don't type and let us all know how little you really know. <laughs> just keep scrolling, right? But, but I'm also praying that when it comes to the things of God, that we would have men and women full of faith that would rise up like David. Not, not King David, not like David taking advantage of Bathsheba David, not like those kind of killer husband David. But what I'm talking about is young men, you know, there's a lot. I got to clarify, which part of David are we talking about? Not those parts, okay? Like, like the early part when he was just a boy and his dad sent him to check on his brothers and he was bringing refreshments. They were out in the battlefield and David walked up and saw giant Goliath mocking the armies of God. David looked around and he was like, is there not a cause? What's going on? Like, this is, this is our arena. He's like, I'm a young boy and it's not about the battle, but it's the one that he's making fun of. And David said, we can do something about this. So I'm praying that we'd have men and women who'd be full of faith, like young David that would say, there is a cause worth fighting for. Number three, if we're going to be led by the Spirit, we'll see that it's the message that brings salvation. The message brings salvation. Verses 13 to 39. I'll skip a few verses in the middle for the sake of time. That's where I'm going to fast forward. But verse 13, it says, from Paphos. By the way, I think it makes sense why Pastor Vicente went on vacation today. There's a lot of words that are hard to pronounce in the text today. Would have loved to hear him do it. Okay, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem because he couldn't pronounce it either. <laughs> from Perga, I'm joking, that wasn't in the Bible, that was added, okay? From Perga, they went to Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. What was he saying? I've been waiting all day for somebody to say, who's got a word, you know? And Paul was like, God sent me with a word. And he says it all there in verses 13 to or 17 to 37. It's his exhortation talking about things. And then he says in verse 38, therefore, my friends, Right before he concludes the message, he gives the application. He says, now that I've talked for 20 verses, let me tell you what you should do about it. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know, after everything I've said, this is the number one thing, that it is through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. If you want to summarize the word that I brought for you today, Paul said, he said, you can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. You won't be forgiven through good works. You won't be forgiven through memorizing the right things. You won't be forgiven about anything else, but it's through Jesus that the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you today. Through him, he said, everyone who believes, not just a few, not just a select race, not just a select gender, but everyone who believes is set free from sin. You don't have to live in your bondage. You don't have to live in your captivity. You don't have to live in your sinful patterns. You can be set free, and it's a justification you were not able to obtain 
under the law of Moses. Oh, friends, that's good news still for us today. That it's through Jesus we're forgiven. It's through Jesus that we're set free from every sin. It's good news. I remind you that our message, his message, the message, is not doom and gloom. It's not bad news. It's not sad news. How many people are glad it's not fake news? Come on, somebody. The message is good news. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and that all who believe will receive. That was, is, and always will be our message. By the way, that's why we're so committed to sending missionaries around the world to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to those who've never heard. As you heard some updates from Pastor Vicente, I didn't know he was sharing those, but let me just mention, some of you are wondering, well, do we still support compassion and care ministries? Absolutely. We feed the hungry because of, uh, and we get clean water for those in need. Uh, I was looking at the statistics, statistics, easy for me to say, hundreds of thousands of kids every day are fed because of our partnership with Convoy of Hope. Now, not just because of our giving, but because we partner together. What a joy that is. We could never do that on our own. But together, when we're cooperating, not competing with one another, we're doing it. We're making a difference. Water wells, clean water. I'm continually amazed at the impact that clean water brings to entire regions, right? And a small hand pump well can help a few people, but through a partnership with World Serve International, our students give a lot to this, we're seeing regions radically change through deep water wells able to sustain entire villages. And all of a sudden the economics change and schools go in and churches become a hub in that area. We got partnership with Free International and Project Rescue uh, for anti-sex trafficking. I always like to give clarity, we're not giving to sex trafficking. Given against sex trafficking, okay? Just like to clarify that for the church. I always get concerned when I hear pastors say, we're raising money for sex trafficking. I was like, please don't. I mean, really, don't, you know, anyway. But uh, our ladies heard from Venture. Like, there's so many things that we can be part of. Why? Because nobody's deserving a life that they're forced into, and it's our privilege to help them escape, recover, and thrive as free individuals. It's breathtaking to be part of meeting so many tangible needs in our world, but we can't stop at meeting tangible needs. This is so important. I'm, I know we can't ignore them, but we can't stay there. We can't really focus there. This is why sending missionaries and building Bible schools to train pastors to plant churches all around the world remains our top priority. Why? Let me give you three reasons why that remains our top priority. Number one, because Jesus said so. I don't really need reasons two and three, but Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. That means we gotta go into all the world. We can't just go into the parts of the world that are already reached, or already engaged with the gospel. We've got to go to those places, 42% of the world still waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ for the first time in their own language. That's why we've got to be doing it. Jesus said to go and make disciples. Number two, I think it's the most sustainable ministry model I know of. It's duplicatable anywhere. If we go, we bring the good news to those who've never heard. People get saved, disciples, discipled, trained up. They can then go and plant a church, see more people saved, raised up, discipled, who can then go be trained and sent out. Does that make sense? Like it becomes circular. All we got to do is get it started. It's the most sustainable ministry model 
I know of. And number three, quite honestly, nobody else is going to do it. Like if, if you watch during Super Bowl or different ball games or TV commercials, other people, non-believers, will give to tangible need causes, compassion and care. They're important. But you can get almost anybody to help feed a hungry kid, bring water to those who are thirsty, right? Like you can do that kind of stuff. But quite honestly, nobody outside the church gives a rip if the 42% of the world ever hears the good news of Jesus Christ. If not the church of Jesus Christ, no one will do it. So that's why we've got to keep it up there as a top priority because nobody else is gonna do it. I'm so glad just a couple weeks ago in May, which is now last month, I guess, uh, we were able to host almost 80 countries here in Minnesota up at Alexandria, Lake Geneva at our camp. Almost 80 countries from the Assemblies of God around the world gathered together. They called it the Sender Summit. Now, the participation of those nations where they had sent a missionary to another country or people group already. Let me be very clear about this. Missions is not an American thing. Missions is a Bible thing of which America has really helped a long way because of the resources we've been given. But I'm so grateful to give a report that, like I said, almost 80 nations gathered together within the Assemblies of God. I think it's 107 countries from within their own people group. The national church have raised up somebody to send somewhere else because something changes in the lives of believers when we realize following Jesus isn't just about me, it's about other people. So we got to host them here and they began to strategize how can we see a million churches planted between now and 2020, uh, 2033. So it's an amazing thing that we're part of. So this is why we unashamedly ask you every year to do something significant to expand the kingdom of God through kingdom builders giving, right? Pastor Vicente mentioned we're going on, going on global trips so you can see what God is doing around the world. And we continue to pray that God will raise people up as he's done for three different families within our church in the last three years who will say yes to serving God somewhere around the world. Many will give a year. Others will give a lifetime to bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to people all around the world as missionaries and workers in places where 42% of the world still waits for a presentation of the gospel. Why? Because back then, today, and in the future, we still only have one message, and his name is Jesus. Amen? All right, number four, moving toward a close, which means a little bit, but not a ton. Number four, the assignment is clear. When we're led by the Spirit, the assignment is clear. Verse 49 says, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Come on, somebody, isn't that what we're praying for still today? We're not just praying for revival in our own church. We're praying for awakening. We're praying for outpouring in, in the South Metro, in the state of Minnesota, across our nation. We want to see the very lives, uh, the way business is conducted in our area changed because of the power and the presence of God coming. Can I get a good amen? We don't just want it in our own lives. We're not praying selfishly that it would just stay with us, but what he does in us would spread. And like verse 49, we would see that the word of the Lord would spread through the whole region. Verse 50, this is what always happens. When large-scale changes start taking place, the Jewish leaders, they couldn't control it anymore. They incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Revival, outpouring, awakening is taking place, and they're like, we got to get rid of them. 
Verse 51 says, so they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. I think what I want to talk about here for the assignment to be clear, I'm talking about the help of the Holy Spirit for discernment. Because it's important to know if you're supposed to stay or if you're supposed to go. And it, it should not be determined upon other people's wants, wishes, desires, or words for you. But you got to know what God's calling you to do. Or another way that I would say it is what his assignment for you is. The calling is broad, but the assignment is more specific. So how do you know when there's opposition, if your assignment is changing, if you're supposed to change locations or just change methods, right? How do you know if the persecution is meant to propel you somewhere else or to cause you to persevere and stay on? So let me just say this, for lack of a better term, if you're in a situation where you're like, I need to know what to do, how am I gonna know, pastor? I want you to know, you will know when you're led by the Spirit. I mean, I know it's like, well, that's the title of the message, so could you be more specific? I'll give you an example from my own life that I was a little hesitant to share, but when I mentioned it to the staff, they were like, no, you should share, it'll help, and, but I don't want to be misinterpreted, but I'm going to give you an example from my life because that's about the only way I can give you the example, but I don't want you to think pastor will tell me or tell you what you should do in your life because then you're not being led by the Spirit, you're being led by me. So we can get godly counsel and stuff, but the truth is, uh, when my wife and I felt called uh, uh, that our assignment was changing from our church in North Carolina to come here, I went and I asked a lot of spiritual leaders in our country, and I was like, do you think we should go? And they were like, no. Now, I know what you're thinking. Probably I found one. Nope. So if I only was coming because of what spiritual leaders felt like was the call of God in my life, I just want you to know, well, it's, it's hot out here too. I was gonna say, I'd be really hot today, but it, we're hot here too. I, what I'm saying is, you gotta know what God's asking you to do. Now, this is important because then after we moved here and there's like a whole deal, right? I had a stroke, I was in the ICU, God spoke clearly to me and that's just, we don't have time for all that, but it's very significant. But it matters because then a year after being here, our old church called again. They were like, we want you to move back to North Carolina to be our pastor again. My dad was moving away and things were changing. And I was like, oh, that would be um, nice. I was going to say different, but I didn't feel like lying to you while I was preaching. You know what I'm saying? Like, nice, because it was familiar. It was the house that we brought all of our kids home from in the hospital and we weren't able to sell it right when we left. So we rented our house and it was just, it seemed like, oh, that'd be nice. So we said, we'll pray. And as much as there was people that we loved, trusted, had affection for, relationship with, wanted us to come back, we didn't feel even 1% that God wanted us. So we were like, we know we're just on assignment from God. It doesn't matter what they want. We want to do what God wants. Well, that matters because then a couple months later, we got sued for me not to be the pastor of this church. So like a couple months earlier, we had people that wanted me to be pastor somewhere else. Now we got people that don't want me to be pastor here. To be clear, it wasn't like people in the church. I'm just saying, like, that's serious. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's serious, but not like from people in the church. And so you, you come to this point where you have to know what God's asked you to do. Otherwise, you might be swayed on a positive, like, oh, that's a bigger promotion or, you know, it sparkles or it has more zeros in the paycheck or it has more notoriety, right? So, so other people, if you don't know what God wants you to do, you'll be tempted to do what other people want you to do or you might run in fear from what they don't want you to do. So how does this translate to you? Well, you've got to know 
Is God want you at that job or at a different job? If God wants you there, it doesn't matter if your coworker is mean to you. It doesn't matter if your boss is rude to you, if God wants you there. Now, if God wants you to leave, feel free to, but I'm just saying it doesn't matter. If God wants you to leave and they offer you a better job to stay, if he wants you to leave, you should not stay. This is what it means like for you. How do you pray about this in your regular life? We pray every year for our kids in their school. God, would you put them in the class with the teacher that you want for them? Not what their friends say is the nice teacher. So now all of a sudden, if we've prayed in advance and we're going through a hardship, we're like, okay, Lord, what are you doing in this moment? Because you've got them where you want them. And we're not prone to saying, oh, well, we want this or that. But you've got to know in advance. So in your own life, what is it that God's asked you to do? People come up to me, they're like, Pastor, well, just tell me, what should I do? If I'm on my game that day, I'm going to give you one answer. Pray. That's right, Diane. Now, I might be off my game and I'll be like, well, tell me what's going on. But I'm just telling you, if, it, if like I, I'm, I'm clued in, the answer is pray. Because God will tell, I'm just telling you, I believe it in every day of your life. Now, this is not like when you go to Cain's, pray to be led by the Spirit for what to order. Just pick one. <laughs> just, you know what I'm saying, just, just do it. There's, there's free will in that. But when you live on assignment from God, you can know, is this opposition God using it to make me uncomfortable to move me on? Or if we persevere, will we see what Galatians 6, 9 says, that we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. So even as we were praying this morning, Pastor Josiah was leading us uh, in our pre-service huddle and we paused for 30 seconds at uh, 8.20 this morning just to pray and ask God to speak to each and every one of us. And uh, I felt like he just gave me right there, faithful and fruitful. Those were the the two words, I mean three because and is a word, but that I got in that moment. That what we're experiencing right now is the most fruitful time in our ministry here because of the faithfulness that we uh, persevered before. So that's what we're all called to do. You've got to be faithful and then eventually we'll be fruitful. So you might be talking to your neighbor about Jesus and you're just, you, you need to be faithful. Don't give up. And then eventually you might see some fruit, but don't give up too soon. Or if the Lord tells you, you, you got to move on, then that's okay. But just be led by the spirit. I can't know what you're supposed to do unless you pray to God to tell you what you're supposed to do. Think of it this way. Um, when we think of it like my wife was outside, she was pruning the bushes in our yard. I was inside doing the dishes, so leave me alone. Um, just telling you how it is in our house, right? So she's out there. and Most of us are not really a fan of pruning. It's painful. It's like you're cutting it back. But that's what creates room for that new growth. The truth is uh, our church is in this fruitful season, but there was some pruning that's taken place over the previous three years. And this has happened like in our nation, but I'm talking to pastors around the country and it's like this fruitful moment where the Holy Spirit is just doing things. I'm talking to evangelists and prophets and Possibly, like the, just people around the country that are seeing things and there's just this rise, this skyrocket rise of what God is doing in the lives of his church. But historically, we see those things usually happening after painful seasons of pruning. So we shouldn't be surprised and yet it was still painful, but all of a sudden when we're on assignment from God. So when you go back to work this week, pray about Pray and ask the Lord, am I on assignment? 
And this is a big thing I talked with uh, Butch Neiman in between ser- services. We should not be separating what I would call the sacred and the secular. Right. Like when you go to work tomorrow, you ought to know I'm on assignment. More than by your employer. It's more than a paycheck. I'm on assignment from God. Many of you will work next to someone tomorrow that I do not have the opportunity to talk to about Jesus tomorrow, but you do. But you got to view it that you're on assignment. It doesn't matter what somebody else's assignment is. As much as sometimes we can scroll on by, I just want to encourage us all. It doesn't matter what, what somebody else's assignment is. I was talking to somebody, they're like, well, how do you like Minnesota? I was like, it's cold. This was obviously not this week that I was talking to them. <laughs> and it doesn't bother me. They're like, well, was, like, when I moved here, it bothered me. It really did. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Like, minus 20 is not from the Lord. <laughs> but now I just stay inside and it's fine, you know, but... Because when you're on assignment, doing tough things is fine. Let me just, I, this, I didn't mention this in the first service, and we're going to pray, so this isn't anything. If you've chosen to be married, and we're not talking about in a physically abusive situation, a real problematic one, but I'm just talking about maybe this week you didn't get along because of what food you picked for dinner. I'm talking about real surface level stuff. Let me just say this to you. You're on assignment in that relationship. So don't quit just because it's not easy. All right, so what I want to do, though, is I want to pray for people to be filled with joy because that's how we close, right? So as I know my time's gone, so I have to do just like a quick move on from that and the band can, yeah, there they come, perfect. Verse 52, this is how the whole passage ends. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And as much as I pray that we all leave today being filled with the Holy Spirit, because I'm telling you, we're facing deception out there that requires being filled with the Holy Spirit. I just couldn't help as I prayed this week for you. uh, My heart was so burdened for those who love the Lord, but your joy is just a little low. I don't know if it's, you know, the bad doctor's report that you've been waiting for a while and you love the Lord, you still got faith, but your joy is low. Maybe, you know, your kid, kids have been running from the Lord for a long time and your joy has just been low. Maybe work's just been tough. Maybe you, you haven't had work. Like, I don't know what it is, but just your joy has been low. I've been talking to people to just, you know, the word says that it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. And I think one of the things that many people have felt diminished in this season is, is a lack of joy. So maybe you're here, you'd be courageous enough to say, Pastor, when you pray for joy, would you just pray for me? Would you lift your hand real quick? I just, sure, there's hands all over. In fact, um, okay, that's a lot. So I'm not gonna be able to pray for y'all individually. So here's what I'm gonna do. If you're comfortable, if you raise your hand, would you just stand where you are? And we're gonna pray one for another. We're gonna pray. So if you lifted your hand, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for us corporately, but as people are standing, look, so number one, you're not alone. What do we know, by the way, um, that's okay. Connect once will be when I'm done. What do we know when we see things happening to multiple people? We know that then the enemy's trying to do something. You know, if you're the only one, you might be like, okay, well, you should buck up. You should figure something out. But look, this is a widespread reality of those who are following Jesus right now. So, so we're going to come against the plan, the attack of the enemy that was designed in the pit of hell to steal your joy. The Bible says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. So instead of allowing him to steal, kill, and destroy you, thinking that you're all by yourself, we're going to pray as a community, and we're going to pray 
that, what did Jesus say next? But I've come that you may have life and life to the full. What do we know according to scripture? In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And that's what we're gonna pray. So I'm gonna ask other men and women of faith, if you're around somebody that's standing, we don't want anybody standing alone. Would you just get up and move from where you are? We've got people standing all over and let's just slide over to them. Let's lay a hand on them. I just wanna give us a moment. Let's, uh, we're just gonna need some people to come forward up here. We just need, everybody needs somebody that we're gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for us all, but something happens when we know we're not in this by ourselves. We're not alone. If you're standing and nobody's got a hand on your shoulder, would you just lift your hand so we can know for sure? A couple here up front. We just, I need a couple people to come up here and lay a hand on these. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Chad and Han. Yeah, you're up front. You got voluntold. Praise the Lord. It sounds like volunteer, but you got, yep, keep going. Hands over there. If they got their hand up, it means they need somebody. Chad, further over, further over. See those two? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, two of you can go. This is awesome. Anybody, I just want to pause. Anybody with other hands still up? Two in the middle right here. I got two in the middle. Dave, you're going there. See these two? Okay. Anybody else? A hand. We're going to pray. All right. All right. We're going to pray. So saints, let's begin to lift our voice. Let's pray. Bible says we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. We'll help him. We'll ask for help and we'll receive grace and mercy in our time of need. So right now, Father, we come to you. We boldly come to your throne of grace here this morning. We're lifting up our brothers and sisters, young and old, light and dark, rich and poor, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, we know according to the word of God that the plan of the enemy is only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we're speaking an increase of joy into these believers, into those low places where it seems like joy has diminished. Their faith is still strong. They still believe you. They're following after you. But we're asking for an increase of joy to come right now into their being, whatever area of their life, whatever moment they've been going through, doctor reports and employment and relationships and areas that they haven't even maybe talked to anybody about. We're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come in. We bless them today that according to your word, that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. So Father, today I pray for an increase of joy to come into these believers. Let each one know that they're not alone young and old, male and female, light and dark, rich and poor, they're not alone. That the enemy has sought to bring destruction to their life, to distract and to discourage them. But today we encourage them through the help of the Holy Spirit. We speak hope, life, peace, and most of all, joy into their very being today. We thank you that each and every one of these children of God are on assignment from the Father. And so God, I pray that on their assignment this week, they would have increased joy to do what you've called them to do. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name today, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift up praise to the Lord here this morning. I just feel so strongly to encourage you, you're going to make it. I just pause in this moment. And it's not a magazine cover. It's not a pop slogan. I'm, I'm Prophetically, I'm speaking over you, you're going to make it. But not because of just an encouraging word or not because of a cute slogan on the mirror. You're going to make it because God says you're going to make it. Right, like we've read the end of the story. We know how this ends. The days get darker and darker, but in the end, the light of Jesus, he's coming back for his church 
and we're going to meet him in the air. We're going to come in, like we win in the end. We're going to make it. When you feel discouraged, just remind yourself, I'm going to make it. When the tough times continue to roll, just remind yourself, I'm going to make it. When you don't know what, I'm just telling you, remind yourself of these truths because you are going to make it. Amen. Anybody get a little bit of joy here today? A little increase of joy? Amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.